May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a good morning to you all. Early in the history of our fine country, when people traveled to place to pl for, from place to place by covered wagon, there was a phrase that was coined, which would later mean something completely different, and that was to ride shotgun. If you remember back in those days, riding shotgun, or as you have studied it, um, meant that you would sit and there would be the driver that would be driving the horses on the covered wagon, and then the person right next to them would get a, have a shotgun just in case anything went wrong. And I don't think, shotgun may have been, been seen at that time as a position of privilege. Of course, you would want that person to know how to use the shotgun. But as time would go on, shot, riding shotgun would take on an entirely different meaning, at least within my family, and maybe it has within yours as well. We see, we went before I even thought about having a car or a driver's license of my own, my mom would get the duty of shuffling my two siblings and I around from place to place. And as most families do today, we lived in our big box suburban. And of course, as siblings do, we had a lot of internal competition. Like who, who can be the best and argue and do all of these things? And for, as part of that competition within sibling rival, rivalry, the front seat of the suburban became a place of privilege privilege that we would fight over so much of a sense that we would actually argue and we created this little game about fighting over who was going to get the front seat for that day and we created all these little rules around it and the way we would claim whenever we heard mom say okay it's time to go let's go load up the first one of us that heard that and would say the phrase shotgun means that we claimed that front seat and the other two would be like oh darn I lost it this time and it was such a competition for, for us that whoever lost you know there was the front row the middle row of the suburban and the far back row the two that lost in protest of whoever won the front seat by calling shotgun would go all the way to the back to say enjoy it kind of like sore, sore loser it's a fond memory that I have but I wanted to bring up that story this morning because right here before us, we have James and John, the sons of thunder themselves, playing a game of shotgun with Jesus as they ask him a question. Now, we got to set up some context before we dive into that question they're calling shotgun with Jesus. Now, as Contextually, this is the third and final time the disciples have come to Jesus and as he has revealed why he had to come, God into the flesh and to come into the world and he reveals their mission to them. If you'll recall, over the last few weeks here in the Gospel of Mark, Peter first came and Jesus would tell them in the first revelation and then we have Peter responding to it and saying, you don't have to go to your cross. And we have Jesus saying, get behind me, Peter, get behind me, Satan. That was the first revelation. 
The second time we hear that the, the, argue, uh, the argument has broken out with, with all the disciples, who's going to be the greatest among us? And that was when, when Jesus would a second time with a little more elaboration say, this is why I came. And that leads into the third revelation that we have today of why Jesus, the identity of Jesus and him telling his mission with this question that James and John bring before Jesus. And they approach Jesus as they're like kids at Christmas. I don't know if you, you've ever seen this before when, some, when one of your kids will come up and ask you, but before they, they, want the, they present the final answer before they actually ask you the, the question, hey, Dad, what I'm about to ask you, just say yes. I, it, it, we've probably all been there in, the, in that position on either side, but they ask with that type of expectation. James and John asked Jesus, may we be seated with you at your right hand and your left hand as you enter glory. You see, they are very concerned about the seats of privilege. Sitting there and asking, can we be a part in the kingdom of God in heaven? Can we be a part of the power? Have a taste of that and of that glory seated at your right hand and your left. And Jesus compassionately, didn't, it didn't seemingly, he didn't roll his eyes at that childish question that they asked. But he asked them a very serious question back. Can you drink from the cup from which I drink? And will you be baptized into the baptism in which I am baptized? And in a moment of grace, we see Jesus answer them and say, I know your life. I know that you, you will actually in a way be able to drink from the cup that I drink and that you will be baptized by my baptism into the, that baptism. As he knows, James will be one of the first disciples that is martyred in the history of the church. And John will go through suffering of his own, being exiled to Patmos and be, being there with the disciples as just in few days time they are on the road to the cross and they will experience that together he's jesus is telling them revealing to them you will go through some suffering and some affliction uh, while living a life and following in my footsteps so from there we hear that the other 10 disciples are angry about James and John coming and asking this question. And I don't think it's an anger like, don't ask Jesus silly questions. I think it's more of a, why didn't we think to ask that first? And they, they, they got to ask a very good question. And we hear the teaching moment with Jesus and the disciples comes and says, as, as Jesus continues to reveal his true identity, and why he had to come. He tells them, if you want to be the greatest, you must become the servant. And if you want to, if you want to become the, uh, you have to become a slave to actually be seen as the greatest in heaven. And so, but to be seen by the, the eyes of heaven in that way. As he is teaching this, we have some of the most powerful lines in scripture in the revelation of why he come for the son of man has come into the world not to serve not to be served but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many now as we 
hear this story this morning, you'll probably either, it may be both, but you probably hear the teaching of Jesus and how he answers this question to the disciples. It is either a very challenging thing for you to hear, as maybe you have lived a life of self-promotion and trying to drive yourself to be the best that you can be. If we're honest with ourselves, that it, that, that's how we live our lives. We, we want to be the best at everything. In my life, I want to be the best priest and the best husband and the best father that I can be. And self-promotion becomes, a, it's a way of the world. And we, are, we have an understanding of trying to look at the seats of power. For those that are the most successful, the, the 1% to be, to, that have gotten everything and have all the wealth and power of the world, and how we look at that and judge ourselves by it, and we're constantly striving to reach it, or we never get there. And we, we look at ourselves as failures of some sort. We could view the message that we hear this morning in that way, or in that other way that I just brought up of the not feeling like you're ever worthy or that your life will ever live up to what, what it is that you've been striving and attaining to reach. Or you could hear the message of Jesus in a sense of comfort. This message we have before us that you know you don't have to strive. And it's not only the, those that are seen as elite or those that give the most, or volunteer the most, or live as religiously as they can, that you know your identity by what is revealed by Jesus as he addresses the disciples in this manner. This is what it means for us all. As we hear those words once again, the Son of Man came into the world not to, not to be served, but to serve and offered his life as a ransom for many. What it means is that we no longer have to live in the way of the world by looking and fighting and spending our lives by looking at the seats of power and arguing, shotgun, that's going to be mine, or wondering if we'll ever live up or be enough to be in one of those seats. Jesus here models and teaches the disciples and us who he is, why he had to come, and that we can know what the eyes of heaven are judging us by versus what living in this world in the exhaustive state that that is. By him coming to serve in the life that he lived, we hear that teaching with them that if you want to be seen as the greatest, that you have to be a servant of all, meeting people right where they have need. And all of a sudden, a life that we have been living of self-promotion by the sacrificial love of Jesus, by his going to the cross and by his grace for us, all of a sudden we find ourselves walking in a way of a self-giving love and not self-promotion. And from that self-giving love that continues to grow as we grow in relationship with God, by his grace, we continue into a, as, as Jesus says, to, as, as he is showing people that he is going to, to become the least of these, as he has that reference to, to be seen as the greatest, you must become slave of all. 
as we see our own weakness in becoming complete servants and complete uh, slaves to everybody, meaning taking what is seen as the lowest form, we can rest in why he came in his identity, that he became those things, the servant of all and the slave of all that offered his life as a ransom for many. Because of the price that he paid for us all, that ransom that none of us would have to be left in bondage to sin. Because of his identity, our identities are secured. And instead of that life of self-promotion and all the different ways that, could, that it comes, we can live in our, that identity that is secured for us by the cross of Christ that, that, and just rest in as we strive to be all that we can be, we don't have to do it at the expense of others. And as we look at the self-sacrifice, the sacrificial love that he offered to us, when we come to those moments when our children are hurting and we don't think we can go on any longer and yet we understand the depth of self-sacrificial love and how it works itself out in our lives. It helps us to go on when it seems like we cannot. And finally, if we get to that point like James and John wanting to asking the question, will, or if you're wondering if your seat in heaven, when, it, when that time comes, if you're, if you're wondering, can I call shotgun? Will I know if I will ever be there by what Jesus has taught us this morning? You can rest in knowing the life that you can live up until that moment and that in the future your seat is purchased by his cross and that you will be in that place. All honor, praise, and glory be for, for this God who came, the Son of Man who came into the world to, not to be served but to serve and to be the, and the ransom that he paid for us all. Amen.